Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in 76ers with your host, former 76ers point guard Eric Snow and two Sixers fanatics in Marcus and Tasia Dash. Believe in 76ers is presented by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Believe in 76ers Podcast. I'm Marcus Dash. I'm here with our host, former legendary 76ers point guard, Eric Snow, and my brother, Tasia Dash. Gentlemen, how we doing? Good, how are you? Good, good. Good. You uh, get a chance to see uh, Harden get that uh, that interception last night? Nice. Eagles games are fun. Yeah. Did you, did you go to a lot of Eagles games uh, when you were playing? Up there? Quite a few. I wouldn't say a lot, but I went to, it was just so much to get there and do all that you know um sometimes it's better watching them at home yeah um but yeah i mean i, I went to uh, i tried to go to a few in september um kind of before our season really started um i didn't go to many during the season um unless the schedule kind of worked its way out but um yeah i went to quite a few any memorable ones you remember uh, going to? No, um, not really. I went to enough of them that I don't really. None really stood out. Yeah, um, that was the Reed era, though. That's a pretty good era to go to, and for Philly. Yeah, I mean, I know they won most of the games I went to, except one time they lost to the um, the Colts. They uh, mm-hmm. them. I was there. Oh, that's a good game to go to, though. Even yeah. that one. And Marvin Harrison was. Giving the fans. Marvin Harrison, <laughs> <laughs> giving the fans something to um, remember before yeah. the game. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say yeah, before okay. the game. Yeah, yeah. It was it was pretty um, interesting to see. <laughs> That's funny. Now his son is uh, giving people something to remember. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it wasn't about talent though. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something to remember. <laughs> <laughs> There was a there was a there was a thing that came up uh, this weekend with the uh, the Cardinals and the Raiders game. At the end of the game, Kyler Murray went to the um, the stands and he got hit by uh, an opposing team's fan, the Raiders fan. But uh, Shannon Sharp brought up a good point. He said, as a player, you know, there's certain opposing teams, uh, but I guess whether there's a Cardinal section or not, there's certain opposing teams you don't want to go into the audience, even if you won the game or not. You're celebratory. He goes, you just know, especially Raiders, you don't want to go and do that. Was there a, a kind of a fan base in the NBA that you knew like you wouldn't want to go to, you know, to like that to celebrate with a team and an opposing team's fan base and an opposing team's besides Philly? Yeah, I was gonna say he played for one. Of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Hey, depending on how you played, you might want to be a home. Yeah, team. Yeah, I mean, you could be a home team, and you know, you could be the home. <laughs> 
You can play for the Sixers and still feel the same way. At times, you know, I had teammates that, you know, didn't like playing at home. So I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I mean, Philly was that team. Outside of Philly, maybe Boston. Things wow. were confrontational. Um, the time when I played in Philly, the Pacers were like that. Mm. Mm. Um, or maybe they were like that with us. We played them so many times, and um, um, New York isn't fans were into it, but they weren't like that. Um, Detroit, yeah, yeah. I mean, Detroit kind of get the history from that whole thing, but it, it was more. I, I didn't really, I didn't get the feel for Detroit. Like, hey, man, these people crazy. Mm-hmm. When we walked to the locker room, like I didn't get that feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really only got that f- sort of in Boston. You get that feel, and I, I definitely got it in Philly. Uh-huh. You know, I've been to Philly as a as a player and as an opponent. <laughs> you kind of feel it that way, even when you playing there. Even though they give us love, you still be like, man. You kind of see the way they treat other teams. You be like, oh. Alrighty, <laughs> they're just on edge all the time. Yeah, it's almost like a college environment. Mm, you know, what I'm saying cool, college environments are like that. Uh, most college environments, especially Power Five and conf- and, and and when they have you know more to more of a you know they play teams so so often rivalry. Um, and it's just different different thing. Like everything can be a rivalry, but when you play that same team over and over again, whereas in the pros, you play that same team, but it's different going to Philly. And I don't go as, to as many games now because I'm usually somewhere with my children and their games. Mm-hmm. But Philly has always kind of been like that. Boston's been like that. I heard other places were like that before I came in the league or when I was younger. But those two stood out. Um yeah, I don't. I don't see any other place that was like that. I mean, fans got loud, and there's places that are louder. But as far as the, you want to be careful going into the crowd. Maybe you know, you know, they say that the, the northeast, northeast teams, it's a little is different. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I feel like in football bleachers too, stand in the stands, it's so like wild west, man. Like, I mean, but he didn't go in the stands. Like, I don't really. No, 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 no. Yeah, that situation. No, I'm just saying in general. When you when whenever you see, you don't see that many like fight fights the way you see like every week. I get like I see like six or seven videos on Twitter of people just getting knocked out in like in football games. You don't see that that often in uh, in basketball. They had the famous you know sons and four guy. But like, I mean, other than that, I you think don't the major difference between basketball and football is they don't tailgate and get drunk before they go into the, to, to the arena. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I, that's that's something to think about. Yeah. yeah, a lot of those places even sell liquor inside. Mm-hmm. In fact, when you do see them, you see them when people are leaving. They're at their most drunk because they that they've they finally reached the tailgate period at the end of the, the, end of the basketball game. <laughs> so and, at the end of the basketball and, this, game. and also the, the way the game goes, 
has something to do with it because you because it's usually you think so, but I see Dodger fights every day. Fans, they're great. People are you know cheering for other teams and opposite teams. Um, like I, I can remember, it was always different when we would play a home game uh, versus New York and Boston. It was always different, no matter the record. No matter what it was, it was like the environment and the atmosphere was like always extra. It's electric. So you kind of know even home home and away. Um, it was it was like that. So that extra environment, atmosphere, and people yeah. kind of into it. It's on the floor and it's in the arena as well. So you come over there and and not to say anything is wrong or right but if i know when we've gone to those places and won and vice versa the people that are cheering for the visited teams are a little extra mm -hmm. especially when your team wins yeah um, and people take that you know all it takes is one person to say something shady or crazy and then there you go that's how it starts mm -hmm. So imagine in football, <laughs> when you got even more people and more people that's been a little tipsy or whatever. Mm -hmm. To me, that's how it escalates. And it's generally a more physical, obviously a more physical sports you're watching, like crash, crash, yes. crash. You're drinking all your pounding beers and you're like looking for something to do. I just, I think it's crazy. How I get opposing fans, but dude, I see every week now like. Fans of the same team just fighting, like punching each other in the face. Like, dude, the one time you guys can be cool with each other, the one time you can get together for three hours, as at a game where you're a fan of the same team. And what's wrong with people? Mm -hmm. yeah. That just shows you society's going out the door when you got fans of the same team fighting at their own game when you're winning. It's like, man, I mean, this for for a fan to like reach and hit someone or reach and. Like it's not like you reach to want to shake his hand or tap him on the shoulder or something, but like you for you to your for that to be your reaction, um, that's emotional. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's emotional yeah. when it's yeah. like thoughtless mm -hmm. for yeah. you to be able Crazy. to do something that we all know whomever did it would would not see him on the street and think about doing that. Yeah, I saw one uh, from the Steelers yesterday. The guy was just talking. I don't know if you guys saw this. He was talking to the fan, and his wife got in the way, and so obviously started mouthing off to him. And he's trying to look over the wife and talk to the dude, and and you can hear them. And he and she like touches him. And he's like, "Don't touch me." And then she she he's like, "Don't touch me." Kind of brushes her brushes her off. She smacks him. Dude, he punches her in the face. <laughs> like he just like, and he and he tries to keep going at her, and then the husband gets in the way. And they start going at it, and he knocks the husband out, like, cold, like, just out. Like, dude, it's like a 20-second video. I'm like, oh, my God, dude, what's – This was crazy. yesterday? I mean, yeah, I mean it was the, it was Sunday, the, oh, yeah, game. Sunday, the Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Man, yeah, go go Steelers fight. Again, I'm sure it'll come up. Man, it's crazy. <laughs> dude, he, like – he just, like, unloads on her, and she actually took it better than the husband did. I think she took it pretty well, actually. She stayed standing. Man. Trubisky, so he punched the wife, and she didn't get knocked out. But he punched she, she, the husband. She, she gets like out of the way, but she comes back in. But then the husband's like, "All right, like get the hell out of the way now." It's like you know, I'm and he had the upper ground. They're just swinging wildly, right? But the dude, 
connects on one and then like he sits down in his chair and nails him again and then at that point he's just like that like out of it like it does the whole like arm thing where he can't oh even like do anything oh yeah man i was like oh my god he just, I think he does both- arm thing. <laughs> <laughs> what is that <laughs> <laughs> um but he was yeah he was dude, like it's a way to get knocked out like <laughs> <laughs> there's, the, there's the knockout and there's the one where you oh, try to recollect yourself and you're just like you're reaching for like nothing out there you know <laughs> oh man well it's, um, just, it's becoming so normal to us to see it though that's the crazy thing like it used to be like whoa did you see that crazy fight well, but you I, mean, it's, I think I understand what you're saying but some of it is the normality is, is isn't that the fights it. always happen it was the fact that they're being recorded now. yeah but uh, does that make it happen more often than know that you might be viral? Probably. I, probably, but I also think that people are recording them because I I know that I've seen fights going to games and never seen them again. So it's I don't think that, that part is as new. It may be a little more common, but I don't think it's that much more common. I just think that now, um, whereas back in the day, the I'm just saying now versus back in the day, Back in the day, people more people were more inclined to break, help break it up. Where now, people see fights and they put up build. Everyone's, up. everyone's doing this with their phones. Who can help? Yeah. So, so a lot of fights really never got to that point. But you, because you had more people be like, "Hey, calm down, guys. Let's mm-hmm. let's kind of separate." Um, it, I think now people be like, "Well, y'all go ahead." I got my a phone. lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more instigators <laughs> because everyone wants to be the person to post a, a, a viral tweet later on about the fight. Yeah, which is it's sad, and I think that actually makes because I mean, okay, you went to you went to a, a game and you got showed up by somebody, you, whatever. You'll never see them again. Goodbye. I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you in hell. Yeah. But now it's like, oh shit! Like you're thinking, people think in their heads, oh wow, millions of people are going to see me get shown up and on 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 uh, internet later on. Great. Now I got to do something about it. So it just make it probes people to kind of like be more aggressive, thinking they're going to be viral yeah. cowards. You can you can still end up being viral even though you don't want to be. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, ter- it's terrible. Man. <laughs> it's all you're always on camera. Yeah, yeah. Well, and some of those videos though, that I think the funniest part is the the guy who's recording, who's instigating. He's like, "Oh shoot! Like you're gonna let him do that to you, man!" And like the other guy, like gets up and like we'll try <laughs> yeah. to play back. Or you I can hear him police it. You can hear police it. Even in this one, uh, they were yelling at the dude for uh, hitting the woman, obviously. But you can hear a bunch of people in the back going, "She hit him first. She hit him first. You can't. You can't don't get. Don't get mad at him. Don't kick him out. She did it too first. He's retaliating. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Well, long story short, we're excited to see the Philly fans back in the building to watch some Sixer games this year. <laughs> Football season. That's what that means. Yep. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Um, but okay, so uh, the first uh, topic tonight, um, with the offseason moves uh, all but finished, except for waiving players to get under the roster limit, although I've seen some rumors about Jay Crowder possibly getting traded for a two-for-one, that's, that's what I've heard, but I'm not going to put our, throw our name in there. Um, what do you think our team's biggest weaknesses uh, heading into the season? So, I mean, yeah, so what are you most worried about going into the, uh, the season, Eric? Well, I think, well, I got to be honest. My biggest issue, or not really issue, my biggest concern um, is really my biggest concern the way that last year ended. Um, I, I, I think we got better from a player 
a personnel standpoint. Um, but, you know, the three-point shooting around your best players, to me, is still the um, biggest, probably, concern. But I've said before, that's, you know, that's a premium. Shooting is a premium. It's hard to find. I mean, everyone's look, everyone's looking for it at all times. Yeah. So um, getting guys to, to shoot at a high clip from three, um, I think we have some guys that are capable of doing it. But um, coming into the season, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say that's a strength. I hope it ends up being one, but I don't think going into the season, um, that's necessarily the strength. That would be my biggest concern right now. Maybe Matisse Thibel went to Tasia Dash shooting school this, this summer. He's becomes a 38% uh, three-point shooter. Maybe, right? Yeah, yeah I haven't heard my comments yet. Yeah, I mean, it's that's possible. I mean, guys can always step it up because they're going to have the opportunities playing with the, the, the top players that we have or top two or three or four players um, that can all go get theirs and create and score. Yep. So the opportunities for other guys and even those guys to get clean looks are going to be there um, with a, in a higher volume, a high amount of attempts. Now, how consistent we are at knocking them down will help us, you know, moving forward. I think that'll that'll be a, a big deal for us because it will kind of give, not kind of, it will give other teams uh, a, a tough predicament on how to defend us. Um, so I would imagine most teams are going to, Pack it in and make us prove it. So, at least if I'm coaching against us, that's how I'm approaching it. Until you know you're proving it's sort of like the football analogy with you know with Patrick Mahomes, where all the teams are now saying, "Oh, you're just gonna have to run the ball and throw the ball short." Um, I, I kind of see that's how teams are going to approach us, especially early on. So, the more guys we can have shooting at a, a, a high clip, the better. Tasia, where, where are you uh, going with this? Um, so I think we tackled uh, toughness and rebounding this offseason. I think I'd like a, I mean, pretty much what he said, just differently. We, I think we need a playable wing shooter who can also defend a bit. I think we lost that and not having Danny Green around. I know we have Tucker, who's great at corner threes, and he can defend, but – I have a feeling Tucker's going to be played down low and, and small ball five and playing fours. Um, consistent wing defense uh, and a guy who can shoot. I think we I think we do need that. Like every team needs that, right? Like you said, they're at a premium. Um, so basically, I bench three and D winger. Uh, I would say, you said the magic word, Marcus. If Thibault can hit over like 38, 37%, 38%, I think that's that's good enough for me to have that. I don't think I'm not asking for top ten in the league. But you know, it's thirty three percent is good. Yeah, let's let's aim for the stars, Eric, and then let's hit the roof. Thirty three percent is fifty percent from two. Yeah, I um, I just want. How about just improvement? I want an improvement from Thibault. Give me a percentage or one or two percentage points. Thibault uptick and. Um, I think that'd be good. If I was going to look for like a player to add for what I want, I would say like Justin Holiday would like would be a check mark for me. Um, uh, a decent defender, pretty good clip at uh, um, catch and shoots, 
that would be the kind of guy I would I would say we would need to add, and that'd be a great bench piece. But um, I don't think there's anything else we really need right now. If if we were going to add a cheap version of of that, yeah, Holiday, but down the line maybe scoring issues off the bench. But I think Melton can take another step up in his development and where he's going. And then we have Harold now, who's a good bench scorer in, in, in short spurts. So I don't really think that is a problem right now. Yeah, I, um, I mean, I, I think when you say um, bench scoring, that's where I kind of think um, that's going to have to be adjusted by Doc. And the reason I'm saying – the lineups, you mean? Yes, it's, it's splitting up the minutes between mm-hmm. your top four guys. Mm-hmm. So I agree I, with I, that. I think yeah. you got to find a way to um, showcase, you know, Maxi, Tobias, showcase yeah. them a little more when James or and especially Joel is out the game. Staggering those lives is going to be huge. And, and, you know, having maybe keeping at least two on the court at the same time, um, you can accomplish that. But I, I just think that some of, that scoring that we're saying should be bench scoring would really really gonna have to come from those four kind of spreading the wealth. Um if if Maxie's gonna be the guy that we all say he can be, then you gotta find ways to kind of get that out of him. And mm-hmm. I think that's that's a way for that to happen. Um Tobias, you know, Tage, you keep saying he needs to do more. Well, some of him doing more is the opportunities. Um, yeah, that's, that's some of it is that. Um, so that's why I wasn't really on the scoring thing as much because I just feel like that that has to come from a from a game planning standpoint. Um, the holiday thing would be great. I just I just think the more you add a guy like that, the more you pull in from someone that's already there. I don't think it's a compliment for um what we have it's it's like okay well holidays here well now who's not going to play yes yeah well we Um, already have a log jam problem yeah so it's 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 almost like now like we we could try to go in right now and we could probably pull the top nine and then have a tenth as far as the rotation we could all probably figure that out on our own um how it plays out that's the tough part yeah yeah ultimately you know are they going to start pj and tobias together we don't know um how are they going to play daniel house and bible we don't know yeah i think that first sub off the bench is splitting up harden and maxi yeah, I mean. It got to be Milton. I mean, Milton has to be the the one because yeah. because you 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 have to split up Maxi and Harden's minutes. Yeah, which means you got to have one of them on the court at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, you can play a whole game, you play a full game, and one of them are, are out there, and that's the way you do it. And that's what Milton helps balance that. Yeah, You're pretty much going with a three guard lineup as far as minutes. Um, that's. 96 minutes between three guys. Uh, you know, Maxie could probably, especially early on, probably play more the most minutes. Um, and then you, early on in the season, you'll bring a <clears throat> fourth player in that rotation probably to get, you know, five to ten minutes to push their minutes down some more. Yep. 
Um, and that's how, you know, maybe there'll be some games where they'll get overextended and the schedule will allow that to me. If you feel like you got a day off or days off, you can probably stretch them a little more. If not, you can pull them back. Um, but, you know, I just think we got to be playing 10 guys early in the season. Um, who that fourth, to me, who that fourth guard, because I, I, Tybo's going to play, House is going to play, PJ's going to play, Tobias, and the two bigs. Those guys are going to play. Melton's going to play. Who's going to be that fourth guard? Yeah, that 10th man that you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll come down to It may be a rotating player. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Shake, Burke. Shake, Burke. Niang at four. I mean, we want shooting. But that's tough. Yeah. I mean, that's. We forgot about Niang, too. I mean, he he gives us something that you need. So so Niang may very well push um, players down, meaning like push Tobias or PJ down to three. And Daniel House to two or two three, and that pushes you know what I'm saying. That pushes everybody because yeah. um, yeah. you're you're already locked in your five position. So now everybody's yeah. pretty much fighting for those. You know, Bible's a guy that can guard twos. So you, even though he's not really a scoring guard, if he can, you are typically what you can defend. Um. So. It'll be interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of be, you know what I'm saying. Like it could be a Niang that pushes everybody down more so than a fourth guard. Yeah, especially if you're going to have either Max your hard on the floor most times, then Melton splitting them up, and then yeah, it's going to be it's a great training camp battle. A lot a lot of battles that go on. I mean that's a, that's tough that tenth tenth man minutes. That's really good. I mean. Yeah, even Isaiah. If you're looking for a shooting, even Isaiah Joe. I mean, if you're talking about a guy who can just light it up on the scoreboard, he, he gave himself. Um, you know, to me, he did enough this summer yeah. to at least get a chance to compete. Absolutely. Um, so, hey, one good thing about being deep is don't run your guys ragged. You know, if Harden's got tired legs, rest. I mean, yeah, I just, I just think that you can't, you can't play more than ten. I mean. Unless you got guys that aren't playing thirty minutes a game, which you know, in order to win, I think believe we're going to have to. Yeah, Doc's going to have fun splitting up lineups too. That'll be fun staggering those to see which ones work, which ones don't, stuff like that. Yeah, it's a night and day, or depth night and day from what it was last year, um, which is this is an amazing problem to have. The, the problem, you know, what we're talking about right now, the tenth, the tenth guy. So um, it's good. Yeah. Some teams are worried about their sixth or seventh guy. We're worried yeah. about our team guy. It's yeah. It's, a, it's not even worry about who's going to do it. I mean, it's, it's a competition. Like there's, we actually have a competition for that tenth man minutes, which is definitely a good problem to have. Hundred yeah. percent. Um. Uh, so going forward. Uh, so this time next week, when we have our next show. Uh, our guys going to be reporting to training camp for the first week of training camp in Charleston, South Carolina. They'll be working out at Citadel or the Citadel University. Um. So. And this is something that Doc's done a lot in, in, in his years in Boston, L.A. He always the kind of destination type of uh, training camps where they would go. Uh, um, I think he went to Europe one year with the, the Boston. Um, I think they went to uh, 
I think they went to Rhode Island when he was with the Clippers. I mean, they, he's kind of gone all over the place with his with his uh, with his teams in the past. Um, and he's been trying to do this for a few years now uh, with COVID. He wasn't able to, to do that with the Sixers. So this is the first time he's been able to do that. Um, so my question, uh, Eric, is what are the pros to uh, not being at home um, for training camp? Um, I mean, Philadelphia is the only place that I was at that we, we went away for training camp. Interesting. Um, Seattle, we, did, we didn't. And Cleveland, we didn't. Um, most of the teams provide hotels for you when you have the two days so you don't have to go back and forth. Um, I didn't really see anything wrong with, um, like a pro to me, the, to me, the really the biggest pro is that you have a chance to create that bond because it's just you all. So you hang out, you go out to eat together, you, you're together all the time. It's probably the most togetherness you you would have during the whole season um because it's just you all um so we i can remember we went you know we went to several places but one particular place we went to penn state we did all like almost everything together because we were at penn state mm-hmm. i mean it's like a college campus like it's really nothing we can do but um we were having we were there we went to penn state football games we went out to eat we sort of had our routine um, but it is training camp, so you, you know, you got to rest up. You can't do as much. But to me, it's really just the the bonding that you can get um, with your team. Um, but you can also accomplish that at home um, with guys staying in the hotel and um, you know going back and forth. So, but our training, I I, I can see it more when I play more so than now because it's so limited as far as how much you can practice. Um, and I mean, limited on the two a days you can have where it was no restrictions with us. So Wild we West. Went, yeah, we went all day. So it was kind of helpful to be right with the, right there so you didn't have to drive you didn't have to do anything they would you would come down from the lobby and pick you up take you to the to the gym um so it was convenient um mm-hmm. you didn't have they you had to you get back to the hotel they got meals for you or you can go out to eat and they kind of everything is, is there for you it's sort of like you know football is like training campus everything is right there mm-hmm. um for, for Playing when I played, I think it worked out better because it helped you kind of eliminate a lot of stuff and a lot of, you know, the extra driving or getting stuck in traffic or coming there and didn't have to go home. And, you know, it was, you know, say, for instance, you stayed 30 minutes away. You know, that's that's an hour there and back. Yeah. And whereas if you're two minute drive from practice, that's, Four minutes. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. That's a pro as far as the being able to take advantage of your time and the bonding. I feel like when you're going out of town too, you're kind of saying ahead of time 
bond, right? Whereas like if you're just having a training camp, it's just all right, it's training camp. But when you're saying, okay, we're going out, it feels like that's already kind of a um an expected thing, an expectation that you know, team building, you know, ahead of time. Um, but yeah, I would say less distractions, chemistry building, camaraderie. Um we have the makings of a really tight team. Uh, beside the fact that, you know, Hard recruited about five of these guys because he's already like best friends with them. So that's cool. Um, but just in general, I, I just think I want to get to the point where they can just scold each other on the court and there are no heart, hurt feelings or any kind of Spolstra versus Butler fights. You know, I, I want there to be complete, you know, just on the same page, same goal in mind, everything. Um, I feel like this could help us get there. Uh, they're already tight to a degree, but I think they can get even tighter and, be one um as cliche as that sounds um i will say though doc did this in boston yeah they really they really helped with some of those teams i mean, <laughs> I mean like they won, they won one of the years they, they, they did, did but there's still some of those guys are still feuding to this day i mean like yeah i i think a lot of it's gonna come down to <laughs> garnett pierce and allen still you know can't be in the a same lot of, a lot of it's gonna come down to the players and on from this standpoint it's, it's not going to really be up to dot how this plays out when they leave. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, whether they're going to build the respect, build the trust, um, whether that's going to be there, the, the more that that respect and trust is there and you show you people you care for them, the more you have that, the better situation it'll be. The, the, the guy will be able to say something to someone without them taking it personally. Mm. But and in that guy saying something, he needs to be able to, to represent, you know, what he says. You know, the last thing you want is is a guy telling you you need to play hard. He doesn't play hard. Um, that the, that's when the issues come. So that that situation really doesn't matter if you go somewhere else or not. Um, if you're going to develop that that trust and respect and the care, so you know they they're gonna have to have that. No matter if they're going to you know. South Carolina or mm-hmm. you know, like the Lakers when I play going to Honolulu. So it really doesn't matter. It's cool to have a, in, the, in those cases, it's cool to have a guy like Embiid who pretty much like gives himself out every night and, and throws his body around. So it's like your, your leader does it by example, you know, um, and Tucker's another outspoken guy, but that guy lays it out there too. So we have a few guys who just laid out there who don't take plays off. So I don't, it's cool to have that in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, but that has to be the majority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it has to be everybody. That right? to be your culture in your locker room. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, is the uh, the traveling because you said you you only did the uh, destination training camp uh, with the Sixers? Is that like an old school coach thing? Because I mean, Coach Brown, old school guy. Um, Doc probably come from the same cloth. You know, I had George Carl in Seattle, and he didn't do it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, but Seattle was also <clears throat> one of the first teams that really like had their own practice facility mm-hmm. back when I played. So they had we had a practice facility with two courts. So it was just why well, go somewhere and we got this right here. Yeah. yeah. So they just gave it they got us hotel rooms <clears throat> that were like right across the street from the um practice facility. Uh, okay. And when they did that, we just we ended up just you just stay at the hotel and go just over there from Starbucks and playing basketball. Guys would go go home because a lot of people stay 
like in Bellevue and Kirkland on the other side of water, and, and it took a long time to get to practice. Um, you know, like for 8 a.m. practice, you had to leave really early. You get stuck on that <clears throat> expressway. It was who knows when you were going to get there. So it provided, you know, kind of a, a way for you to cut out all of the, um, you know, the going back and forth, especially in between practices. So I know a lot of guys stay at home at night stayed at the hotel in between. Um, I did that in Cleveland, um, in Seattle. I, mean, I was a young guy. I was by myself most of the time. I just stayed at the hotel overnight because, you know, I younger, I had to be there so early mm-hmm. <laughs> before everybody came to get taped and do all that stuff. Yeah, you don't want to be late. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I ended up staying over there. But that that works out. That's fine, too. It's just... You have the, you know, no matter at the end of the day, if you want to kick it and hang out, you're gonna do it no matter where you are. Yeah, yeah, and I know. Well, I think the um, the year we traded for Tobias and Jimmy Butler, I remember there was a whole thing that came out that MB kind of led the way and kind of having the chemistry and camaraderie. He was having everybody meet down like the hotel, like bars and stuff, and they were watching like other games together and stuff, and. Ironically, Simmons would wasn't really a part of those. He didn't really come down for yeah, those. Yeah, we, we did that. We did that all the time. Um, you know, we used to – and then a lot of times you start doing it, the team will – you know, back when we played, the team would kind of sense that we were doing it, and they would give us, you know, like – be like, hey, we'll cover the bill. It was it was time we would go, and our bill was paid. Wow. Nice. Um, but, yeah, we – we did that a lot. Um and, and you know, in Philly, it was like we didn't always have everybody, but it was it was a group of you guys. It was very common to see a group of us go out to eat, and that was like sort of the thing to do. Like we would go out to eat, watch some games, and then kind of you know, do, then you do your own thing from there. You know, some mm-hmm. guys hung out, some people met up with people, and you know, we kind of did what you do, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting any, you know, that's that's how it is. Yeah, um, yeah you for sure. Do what you do from that point on, like after we eat, and but at the end of the day, and shoot around, come, you ready. Yeah. yeah. I think Joe Bias was the orchestrator last year of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So be curious to see. Well, maybe Harden takes that position now. Yeah, I mean, it was like we didn't really, it was usually me or, I mean, you could say like it was me or Aaron, like, but it was usually we all did it together. So it wasn't really, we would be like, yeah, where are we going to eat? And mm-hmm. then we kind of got to the point where you travel so much, like we kind of knew who was down, who wasn't. This is where we were going. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We went to Toronto. We would go to the, you know, um, you know, we stayed the four seasons. We would go to the Ruth Chris or the Morton's, whichever one was right across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you just kind of knew that that's what we were doing, and you know, nobody really. That's the point you want to get get at, right? Where it just it just comes down to, hey, where are we going? Instead of like, let's organize this thing with like us. It's like you want to just like have it so you're already just hanging out all the time. Yeah, and- I mean, we did it like like we did it in Cleveland. Um, I was a little older, so I didn't do it as much as some of the guys. Um, but we we were close in that group in Cleveland, Seattle. Um, I was playing with a bunch of old men in Seattle. Like we, we would, I would go out and with different guys, different times. But 
we never really had like collectively a bunch of guys going to the Oh same. really? Oh no. Because they were just so set in their ways. Yeah, they were just so like different. Like they were just like it, it was different back then. Like is I was it, it was just personality or was it age? Oh, no, it was just because guys were older, it was different. It's, it was like I came out of my first year, my rookie year in Seattle, I was 22. And I believe my second or third year, I was still the youngest on the team. Dang. So, you know, that never had I'll come in at 22 and be one of the older guys. <laughs> never happened. But yeah, it was like it was just different like that. So um, you know, I, I came in, I I know I was like 22, and I think Gary and Sean was like 28 and 27. And then almost everybody else on the team, except maybe Big Irv or Chef, was like another Sherelle came in with me. Like it was just, I think it was just those three were the only three younger than those guys. You're right. That was a pretty everybody old else was like in the 30s. Man. So it was it's just different. And with the Sixers, you guys were all around the same, the same age group that entire yes. Time. Yes. The nucleus, we were all around the same age. Mm-hmm. That that's where it was kind of different and special for us. Like we, myself, Aaron, AI, and Theo, a lot of guys that all came in at the same time, mm-hmm. all around the same age. Yeah, you're right, man. That's pretty older. I was definitely an older roster. You had a lot of guys. <laughs> yeah. You had a lot of guys born in the early '60s on that roster, man. Yes, that was a <laughs> you got a lot of guys. And you had. I didn't even know you had. They had some of these guys on the team. Yeah, Craig, Craig. I don't remember Craig Elo on that team. Terry yes. Cummings. I mean. Her, David, David Wingate, Hurst. Yeah, I had all those guys. David man. Millen was 64. Sam Perkins was Ron Kersey over there. Like, yeah, Les Shrimp was early 60. Mikowski. All them guys, man. They just. Yeah, man. Wingate. Like, I could hang out with all those guys, like, depending on where we go. Sam Perkins. Perk was my guy. So it was like, but we were. I never really hung out with a lot of them at the same time. But, the, you know, he seemed like they were all grabbing me, like, all right, rookie with me this weekend. <laughs> like I kind of, it was like I like each one of them kind of gave me something. Um, Hersey was like, you know, fatherhood, family guy. Um, Sam Perkins was showing me how to dress. You know, you know, you're getting the dressing advice yeah. from him. Yeah, so you know, uh, <laughs> you know, Nate, you know, being leader and you know, leading your team and Detlef was who I actually worked out with Detlef. Okay. That's who I worked out with. So, like, from a debt level, was like a workout guy, financial tips. That, was, that all came from Della. Della used to be on the plane writing his checks and filling out bills. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> he would show me. And then that's what we got to do this stuff back, soon. Back dude. then, we didn't have the, you know, just go online and kind of do your bills and all that stuff. You had yeah. to physically write a check. So, um, but yeah, it was. David Wingate, you know, it was great for me to show how to be a reserve, how to, you know, sit over there and encourage your teammates and body language and face and be professional. Oh, matter. Yeah, man, it was, you know, Greg Anthony showed me, like, it was like all them dudes, like, showed me something. I got something from all of them. So I wouldn't change my path for nothing. I know it's not made for everybody, but that path helped me out a great deal. Man, even the next year, you had Dale Ellis on your team. Yep. Man, yeah, you actually guys, you got you guys got one guy who was actually older than everyone else on the team. You got one guy who was older than all these dudes. Uh Damn, 
Yeah. You got Jerome Kersey that year too. You play with a lot of those vets of like the nineties, man. Yes. You got you That's got you got a lot of them. Yes. Every year I was in Seattle, we had older guys. Man. Yeah, that's quite a collection of older vets, dude. Vin Baker is one of the young dudes on your team. Yeah, Vin came with Sean Left. So mm. they were trading for each other. That's right. Yeah, there you go. That makes sense. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's cool. That's great. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, for the final topic of the night, you know, as we're talking about training camp, um, as a former NBA player, what does the last week typically like entail before training camp starts up, Eric? Uh, do you take a week off to make prepare for the season, or is it like you know, right before you know school starts up again, your family takes a little vacation to the beach, and then you get back on Saturday, you got school on Monday? I mean, how, how does that work for uh, last week before training camp? Uh, it's, it really depends on the player. Um, typically, for me, excuse me, I I kind of when the season ended. He took, I took some time off. Then I would start cardio, um, start, you know, on the court, but not basketball, you know, not playing basketball games, just, you know, drills and shooting. And then you eventually start playing basketball, maybe later in the summer and you kind of August and you take that until after Labor Day. And then usually after Labor Day, you start getting with players and trying to you know, doing things together. Um, and you kind of build that up until like the week before um, training camp. By that time, you should have built up pretty much most of your conditioning for training camp. Um, your strength and conditioning should have been built up. So the one thing I didn't do before training camp was I might have shot, but I didn't play much basketball. Mm. I would do cardio, but I didn't play any basketball at all mm. the week before. Was that more of a norm or was that an Eric Snow thing? It, it was more of a norm. Most guys pull back from basketball. Interesting. Um, okay. Um, just that, that week before, definitely the weekend before, but that week before guys would maybe do drills and shooting, but not many people actually played basketball. Over the summer. Yeah. Like, no, no, that week before. Oh, that week specifically. Okay. Yeah, okay. The, week, the week before is what we're talking about. Like, most guys okay. kind of stepped away from that. Um, but – Guys, still, whatever you needed to kind of keep your you, – whatever you felt you needed to come, somehow keep your conditioning on that level because because really your conditioning was really truly about getting through training camp. That's what the conditioning was for. And training camp was to get you in basketball shape. That's what training camp was supposed shake, to be. Shake off that rust, right? Well, was, well, from a conditioning standpoint, so a lot of guys come in shape. But being in shape and being in basketball shape are two different things. So being in, but you got to put yourself in in position to go through training camp and the two a days and the rigorous amount of time going through that to then get in basketball shape to be able to now play 30, 40 plus minutes a game and play it at a high level. Yeah, I think that's what Harden was alluding to um, when they were talking about every year and the differences and how, like, he's gotten – he's took the season and preseason and into the season to get into shape, whereas I think this year he's already – he's kind of – it sounds like he's doing more what you did and what most players do, which is already kind of getting a good shape and then basketball shape at this time. Whereas instead of, like, coming into camp not in shape at all – and then using that to get in good shape, and then using the season to get in basketball shape. Yes. So yeah, we're, we're, their their training camps 
are in the preseason are shorter than ours were. Which which means you should probably become even more prepared now than you used to come, right? Because you're going, you'll be into the games more often. And you don't have as many mm-hmm. preseason. We play eight preseason games. Dang. Um, yeah. And we training camp was four weeks, so we played. We would we would have a training camp at least what ten days before we ever played a game. Before we played a preseason game. Wow. Yeah. So it wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I'm sure nice the coach. I'm sure the coaches preferred it back then, though. More time to kind of yes. I'm sure team yeah. game plan. Know what you're going to do. So like, oh my gosh. Well, I mean, a lot of them, you know, didn't like preseason games. They felt like that was just an off day for guys. Like preseason games, pretty much was an off day for us. Because especially if they cut your minutes. Um, but it was, <clears throat> it's different. I mean, a lot of what we went through was the reason why a lot of the guys nowadays, they do have the time off because it was so hard on your body. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, uh, based on the, the calendar I'm looking at here, it says Sixers go from, uh, Citadel September 27th to October 2nd. And then the the next day they head to Brooklyn for the first uh, preseason game, October third um, against Brooklyn for the uh, open up the NBA preseason for us. So you were never. What's that, Eric? Simmons playing? I don't know. He's apparently going to be on JJ Reddick's podcast tomorrow, so I think we might get some insight on uh, you know how things are going with him. No, yeah, I'm just wondering is he going to play? I would imagine he'll play in November the game. I'm just you know he's going to play early. You would think, yeah. That'd be a big topic on the show. <laughs> Did you ever um do you know if players ever like splurging right before? Like, you know, like uh I'm about to go into boot camps, so I may as well just, you know, eat like crap and get some last cheesesteaks in and stuff like that in the last week. No, I, mean, I don't think um guys would do that. I think because most guys, to be honest with you, back then we we just the whole eating thing wasn't really quite as popular then as it is now. What I do you mean? mean? I mean, guys were in shape, but they ate whatever they wanted to eat. Mm. Oh, oh, you mean like eating right wasn't a thing to do back yeah, then? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can see like, that. It, was, you know, it wasn't, you know, let's eat this or all this stuff that come out that these teams have nutritionists and all that stuff. Yeah, we didn't we didn't have all that. <laughs> so, so it didn't um, matter. There was no splurge or like, let's get our last couple of yeah, bucks. I think if a guy was maybe splurging, it would be more so hanging out and drinking mm-hmm. more so than than that. Hey, yo, I'm going to go kick it. I'm going to Miami for a few days and kick it and then come back for training. You know, like stuff like that that guys would be more inclined to do. Are you a cheesesteak guy in Philly? Iskabibbles. What's that? Iskabibbles. That's a name That's a name of a spot? I don't know. Look at, look at the way sick of the way snow's looking at us right <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking y'all know y'all don't know places in Philly for the cheesesteak. I know more of like the, I mean, the more main, like the more mainstream ones that people know nationally. I, I've not, I've never had that before. That's, that's it. That's, that's the one hands. Funny, down. I asked you, you, I asked you, you, you had them a lot, and you went right to the, you went right to your place, you went right to your mainstream. I mean, place. that would be my first choice. I mean, a lot of other people I know that it wouldn't be their first choice, um, but that's mine. All right. Oh, we need to do uh, uh, and the one the the smaller one too. 
Okay. It's two. It's two on South Street. And, and you, and you, the smaller one's better than the bigger one. I'm just. I didn't say it was better. I just said that's my preference. Oh, okay. That's that, that was you. I'm saying that's my. Preference. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me to saying something's better than this. I'm nah, just saying, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's I'll, my I'll preference. You. The smaller one, the okay. one where you can just come and it's only like two seats in there. Versus the one where one. you go and like sit down and eat. Mm. You're a takeout guy. I like that. I'm just, that's just, you know, <laughs> get it to go. Yeah. <laughs> drive and park and get it to go. And that, that was Iska Bibbles? Well, well, I'll send it? it to you, man. I don't want you to get lost trying to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> and fair enough. <laughs> I want to be typing that into the road, man. You, yeah, you, man. You I can't tell you how to spell it. I just know how to say it. Man. <laughs> I might even be saying it wrong, but I know what I'm talking about. Hey, yeah, no, you, you had the location <laughs> down in the small. Yeah, one. I know exactly where it's at. I know. I'm I know. definitely your spot. I, I, there's no debate about that. <laughs> so East Snow is a, a cheesesteak guy. Man. Yes. Okay. Man, we're gonna get slaughtered in our comments for not knowing these places. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm already getting ready for the comments, Eric. You set us up for that one. I'm gonna get slaughtered now. Especially because you said we're more national guys, we're gonna get eaten alive on that uh, on that on our YouTube. Oh channel. man! All right. Well, you know, one of these guys send me one. How about that? Put it in one of those little like you know things and send me one. And yeah, put well, it next in the time oven. you go to Philly, you gotta go, man. You can't, you know, just go. You just gotta try different places and see what you like. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, y'all not no cheese whiz guys, are you? Mm-mm. When I get cheesesteaks, no, I don't. I'm gonna get dog for that too. Thank you. You're not either. No. Okay. <laughs> See, but 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 if you go to comments, I've actually gone to the Philly place and looked at comments on Yelp and stuff. And it's like, don't offer cheese whiz. Don't go there. It's like this place is a joke. Like I'm like, <laughs> no, no, it's it's people that do eat it. I'm I'm just saying oh, I'm no, not, definitely. I'm not a cheese whiz guy. I'm not either. No, it's no, a, no. It's 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 a huge thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I want I want no. I want to I went to a cheesesteak place out here, uh Great Western Hoagie. It's it's has a Philadelphia sign on, obviously. A little hole in the wall place. Good. Um, but he asked me, he's like, What do you want? You want Swiss or you want like a provolone mozzarella a mix? What are we doing with that one, guys? Come on now. That's <laughs> I mean, I was like, Oh, you guys, you guys do that? He's like, Yeah, I was like, yeah, provolone mozzarella mix. Are you kidding me? Like, like you're actually gonna ask me that? <laughs> Not a huge Swiss guy. Hmm. Mm. All right. Well, we we got that. We got that spot. We're, we're gonna get that text from uh, from Eric so we can uh, you know, get, get our uh, schedule our uh, cheesesteak spot in the uh, in the future. And uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that does it for us, guys. Thanks for tuning in to Believe in Seventy Six, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you guys next week as we really count down to training camp, and we'll be probably on the show while the guys are getting we're getting the first updates from my training camp. So I'm really excited right. about that. All right, take it easy, see you guys. Next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.